Don't believe it's shit, but still wonder what happens when I'm dead. I wish I did as complicated up there in my head. No casket for me, cause I'm hella claustrophobic. Cook me up, but when it's over, launch my ashes in a rocket ship. The end's inevitable, so why you settling early? Such a. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Uh, once again, that was a local artist right here in Saskatoon, Mr. Data Banks. Uh, he was on the podcast. Um, but today's podcast, episode 63, with my friend Jess. She is a nurse right here in Saskatoon, and she's also considered a travel nurse. So she's kind of been out of country um, to other places, and she's also been within Canada, um, within provinces, kind of traveling around. So she's got lots of experience. She's been a nurse for about uh, 12 years, I think she said. So again, lots of experience, and it was just really good considering the times we're living in right now. Uh, with this pandemic, with COVID-19, um, it was just really good to hear a perspective from somebody that's kind of on the front lines and is really, um, you know, saving the darn world while we're sitting on our couch, you know, watching it from afar. So I, I think it was really good for me to hear, you know, her perspective and some of the things that she's learning along the way. Um, so without uh, butchering the podcast too much, just because it was it was a good one, I, I really did enjoy it. So I'll uh, I'll let you guys tune in and and hopefully you learn a little something from it, um, at least get a new perspective. So um, once again, guys, my friend Jess, uh, episode sixty three. Thank you. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, did they catch that? <laughs> Are you recording now? We're good. I'm recording now. Okay, yeah, confirmed, confirmed. That would suck if we did this for like an hour and I wasn't I recording. That would be something I would do. So, well, that's why I'm glad we went over this yesterday because I'm I'm pretty sure between the two of us we can uh, we can figure this out. Yeah, well, we've got a recording like three different ways, so I think I think we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thanks for thanks for hosting my podcast. <laughs> Basically. No yeah, technically, I invited you to this conversation, so. Yeah, yeah. just so everybody knows, we're like, I'm in the van and Jess is at home, and I, I only have an Android phone, a, a Samsung S9 or whatever, and the options are a lot more limited on the Zoom app, and I can't record, so I asked if she could uh, post the meeting, and now she can record it on her end, and then when we're done, she's going to send it to me, and then I'll post it on my anchor, so we're going we're gonna to get it's the not, It's not complicated at all. No, <laughs> for the like somebody that's good with technical stuff, like technology, you probably find it very easy. But it was quite complicated for me, so I'm glad we yeah. we talked yesterday and got this sorted out. Totally, totally. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for coffee? doing this. Do you have your What's coffee? that? Do you have your coffee? Yeah, okay. I got a. It says the world is yours on my cup, and then it's Ryan Tolman Remax on the other side. So. Yeah. See, that's actually really funny and I'm already going to sidebar because when I did those videos, the workout videos last week, my friend Brooke used that as a tagline, the world is yours. And I just like, <laughs> I made fun of her because it was just something like off the cuff. So that's actually a really weird coincidence. <laughs> especially, <laughs> off of, that. especially off of that video. I wonder what made her think of the world is yours seeing you leg press your couch. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sure I was quite inspiring. Yeah. So, yes, how, how long have you been a, a nurse for? I've been nursing for, oh my gosh, what day is it? Huh. Don't ask me. April 9th. So, I'm like coming on 12 years here, like at the end of the month. I'll be, okay. I, like, I graduated in April of 2008. 
Okay. And have you ever, it's quite the time to be a nurse. Have you ever experienced anything like this? Like any kind of pandemic like this? No, 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 no. I didn't think so. Zero. Yeah. And I'm a labor and delivery nurse too. Right. So even like the influenza outbreaks and stuff that happen like yearly, we see a piece of that, but our population is usually healthy and walkie talkies. We call them for the most part, obviously we deal with sick people too, but um, no, this is unprecedented is the term everybody is using. So I'm going to, I'm going to go cliche and say that one. Yeah. So you were, you were just in, like, I know you're, you know, you're a travel nurse and you were just in BC. Um, you, I know you talked about it being quite quiet there as far as the hospitals go, yeah. but now that you're back in Saskatoon, has it picked up at all? Like, are you, get, are you guys getting overwhelmed in Saskatoon here? What's that been like? Uh, well, I can only speak to like my experience on my unit, which is again, maternity. So we see a different picture than the rest of the city is going to see probably, um, or, you know, in the country, if we're talking provincially. Um, but BC was, I was in Northern Health, so there wasn't really that many cases when I left. There was only four cases actually had been documented at that time. So, but like coastal health like Vancouver and stuff they were they were getting quite high in their numbers so I it was only a matter of time I think before it's going to transition and northern health would have more cases I was just happy to get out of there because it was a smaller rural area and anytime something like this happens like stuff kind of trickles down from the more tertiary centers so in terms of like protocols and policies and whatnot so um I kind of was looking forward to getting back to Saskatoon where I knew that being a bigger center, we would be more kind of up to speed on, um, even if our cases weren't that many yet, like the planning would be in place and it would just be a little more, I would have felt, I felt safer, the idea of coming home anyway. Right. Do you, yeah. do you feel like, uh, like our hospitals are prepared for something like this? Like, it seems like, you know, like on a larger scale, I mean, we spend, you know, not that this is your issue, but we spend like billions of dollars on like military to protect from like outside invaders. And all of a sudden this invisible virus comes over and it brings the world to a halt. So do, yeah. you, do you feel like the hospitals and, and you guys are prepared for something like this? Um, that's a tricky question. I think I've just been watching a lot of media lately and like the Saskatoon Health or Saskatchewan Health Authority and what they're putting out in the government, kind of in conjunction with the government. And I wouldn't say prepared is the best word. <laughs> I think they are actively planning and doing the best that they can with the resources that we have. Like most people don't understand that we function already at basically 100% capacity, like a lot of the time of our hospitals. So when you think about clearing beds out and making room for more patients, like in my mind, there isn't really a lot of wiggle room there. Uh, so that's where they're looking at like field hospitals and like they're, they're doing one in Saskatoon and one in Regina. And like, we only have, I think as of yesterday, 260 cases in Saskatchewan. Um, but the projection, which is kind of like worst case scenarios they're looking at would mean that we would need to utilize like those extra spaces. So, um, so with with the extra spaces like what did you call it a, a field hospital yeah they call them field hospitals where they just basically it's like a makeshift hospital that they 
kind of construct or use like an existing space to basically house patients and kind of like cohort them they use that term so that the sick covid people would be in that area and would be less because there's the at the same time there's non-covid patients that are going to need to keep carrying on and using facilities like having babies and having regular emergencies that just go on no matter what so we need to have space that is you know safe for them where they're not going to possibly be infected um, but also we need to house these COVID people. So um, yeah, they've got plans in place for that. At, actually, I just um, looked, um, the Saskatoon, Saskatchewan Health Authority put out a presentation yesterday and they said that Merlis Belcher place, like that new rink on college there by the field house. Um, okay. It's, that's actually going to be one of the sites for the field hospitals apparently so kind of crazy and, and cool but yeah scary. But like i hope it doesn't get to that point but we're so early and we're kind of like saskatchewan's a little bit behind um in terms of the number of cases so it's hard to say if we can flatten the curve enough we may not get to that point but i think anticipating that is really um important and it's showing really good leadership uh by our government and our health authority yeah it's crazy when you said like you guys are already running at like a hundred percent capacity like you're already like you know swamped basically and i've heard that before so it's it's surprising that we haven't had like a kind of a backup plan for worst case scenarios like pandemics you know but totally. like you said i mean it is good leadership just how quickly they've been able to like adapt and uh you know, flatten the curve around here. I've been pretty impressed even just seeing the numbers. I'm not too familiar with them, but it seems like in Saskatchewan, we've been doing a fairly good job. Yeah, I think so too. Um, like I was still in BC when uh, the government was basically like starting to close a lot of things down and all the messaging was out there. A lot of doctors were getting together and like they made this big list. It was like kind of like a petition kind of, but more of just like a support document, like listing all their names, just kind of trying to spread the word as much as they could on social media. And I'm friends with a few physicians that even are in emergency and stuff. So to see that was like really cool. Whereas when I was in BC, like it was taking forever for things to close down and just people weren't really getting the message. And I was getting a little bit like, I started to feel the panic a little bit out there because of that. Yeah. And and how much did it roll? Like I, I can only imagine. Cause like, I think the public and me included have like this subtle, uh, slow drip of like adrenaline of like the unknown and like a little bit of fear. And yet, yeah. you know, here you are in BC away from your friends and family, like in the hospital. And now even being back here, yeah. you guys still have to go into like this Petri dish of virus and like go to work and stuff. So how have you guys been handling that emotionally and mentally? Is there? Yeah, it's weird. Like, honestly, I, we have like signs up in our staff room. They're laminated, of course, but they're like on the um, tables where we eat that says like, we're all in this together, but but please two meters apart or whatever, like just kind of trying to keep it light. Like um, nurses were kind of notorious and that you and I have talked about this and just like our kind of twisted sense of humor a little bit. Um, but we kind of have to have that in order to function in these like, chaotic environments, I think, and keep our wits about us. Um, 
but I definitely like in BC the area I was in was much smaller like the the unit was tighter the staff room was like the size of my little kitchen here and like you kind of felt like I was too close to people and they it just felt weird like I kind of wanted to isolate myself but it was this it's this weird like I don't know it feels strange um because you're used to just being right next to them and eating lunch and you know chatting and um they've even encouraged us to go to like the family lounges to eat or take our breaks um there's signs up all over about social social distancing or physical distancing I think they're trying to call it now um but then in that then like you go and you look after a patient and with labor and delivery like you're providing like physical support to people like you're literally like massaging them and touching their belly and feeling their contractions and like you can't do your job without touching people um right. and you're also giving them a lot of emotional support too so if i was to stand at the side of the room and you know try to be that nurturing nurse that i am it would not feel right to me so it's very odd because i'm doing that at work but then i'm coming home and i like can't see my niece and I can't see my my brothers and my mom and it's very strange and it's kind of makes me mad because like I want to I want to see them but I know I can't but yet I'm going to touch these strangers at work and like right. I know it doesn't sound very compassionate <laughs> but that's kind of how I've been feeling yeah like mad or anger is almost like a good emotion for it I yeah. could see it being extremely frustrating but it you know it's funny I, I was listening to a podcast he was a he was an ex-marine he was in the military and he said something similar like it's almost like a coping mechanism the more disastrous stuff that you see like if you're seeing you know um, like birth and sick people and you're just in that hospital environment sometimes humor is like such a good coping mechanism and you know yeah. you're you're seeing the internet blow up with all these hilarious memes about the virus and it just like it, sometimes I think it's people's way of like coping with whatever's going on so a few nurses can kind of crack a joke here and there and make light of it I'm sure yeah. that probably helps you actually show up and do your job properly is the no, humor you I know think so I think so and it's yeah it's all part of the like bonding together and like these people are like my family right so you spend more time with them than you do with your own family and so yeah you do tend to have these like relationships that uh are quite it's quite amazing to me actually and even the gals in BC that I just met like going through that with them too um was just really neat because I was only there for like a week or two of that kind of the um the the beginnings of it but you could kind of sense that like yeah we're bonding over this experience and we are like yeah. it's cheesy as it is like we're in it together kind of thing Right. Well, I heard that that's how like strong bonds are built. It's not when things are comfortable and everything's good. It's like, it's when you're really tested and you have to communicate properly. And, um, you know, that's usually when like those really strong, it's like a fight camp for me, like during fight camp, it's more emotional, it's more intense, but you really kind of build those bonds. So I'm yeah. sure it's something similar with you nurses going through this and even police officers and like grocery store clerks, like they're all kind of going through it yeah. together, you know, so it's probably important to have those, that camaraderie or whatever you want oh, to call definitely. it. Yeah. It's like a solidarity or whatever you want to call it. And totally like, yeah. I, I feel mm -hmm. like our job is really hard, but I also feel for those other um, support systems in the community, like the grocery stores and like those people, they don't have the same level of 
education that we would in terms of like protecting ourselves and hand washing and um even just the ppe and like the alcohol gel available to clean your hands with like there's literally one of those outside of every door and inside of every room and there's like two sinks per room and everywhere you go you can clean your hands that's why my hand well my hands are starting to heal now because i haven't been at work for a few days but like they were like raw from hand washing and alcohol gel and yeah the grocery store like before i left to come home to saskatoon actually was the last time i was in the grocery store it's been a couple weeks now but um they had no alcohol gel anywhere at the tills or anything and like they had it to sell because they had to protect it because people were overbuying it or whatever but i felt bad for those people like they didn't have anything for, to protect themselves and there's literally like hundreds of people coming in the store every day like they're at quite high risk for exposure because at least yeah. we screen our patients like we have protocols and they come in and we screen them those people like they're just yeah willing yeah. they could be sick they could be you know not practicing social isolation or whatever and yeah it's kind of fairly yeah I try not to think about it because then my mind just goes <laughs> yeah. well i saw this uh I, I don't know, I don't even, it's not really like a, a meme, but it's just somebody posted it like early on during the pandemic. And it was like, um, you know, when this is all over, the people that are going to be saving the world are the nurses, the police officers, the janitors, the the grocery store clerks, and it kind of truck drivers, not the CEOs and the millionaires. And it's not to like rag on them, but it just seems like the, yeah. you know, we always like put such a high emphasis on like you know celebrities or like you know movie stars but now all of a sudden when push comes to shove and the world's in chaos yeah. it's like the average day folk that just go to work and you know they they certainly yeah. give you your groceries and the nurses and all these yeah. kind of basic and air quote jobs that are really yeah. pulling through and keeping the world together so it's interesting how we when times are good we pay these people that don't really you know not to shit on them but they don't really do a whole lot yeah. and now when the world's ending we're like nurse is grocery yeah. store works truck drivers we love you yeah well like the housekeepers too at the hospital i think about them like they got to clean up all the rooms that are you know oh. these patients are staying and like housekeeping is a highly underappreciated um career or job like totally so i i've no. made a point of like making sure to say thank you to like those people at work that are doing that job because their job is just as important as mine like if we didn't have them we wouldn't be able to function the way we function so it's really like a team kind of effort for sure right so how is your how is your like um you know call it protocol change like when you get patients in like are you guys screening them like crazy like my my head coach said he went into sastel to get a new phone and they like he walked in the door and they're like stop and they have like little tape and they gotta like they question you like you're entering like a new country and they were like have you traveled anywhere? Who have you been with the last little while? And he's like, holy shit, I just want a new iPhone. Interesting. But, uh, I didn't realize that other businesses were like adopting that. That's, that's awesome. Um, sorry he had that experience, but, <laughs> um, but it's, it's smart. Um, yeah, definitely ours have changed and basically changed every day. Like I'm, I'm off, off work right now, but like I was there for seven days straight last week and literally every day something changed. So in regards to the screening um basically they first of all they can call before they come to even talk to us on the phone and 
kind of ask if they should even be coming, which makes sense just to cut down on numbers. Some people are doing that. Um, yeah. And also it's kind of been messaged out that the not amount of visitors or support people is limited too. So they're only going to show up with one person. And if they had more than one, like they can't even get in the hospital with more than one person because security is at the door. Um, every entrance to the hospital security is there. Even when I come into work, they're looking at my badge. Like if I don't have a badge, I've got a call up to the unit and management has to okay it. And like, it's very strict. Uh, yeah. So if you're a patient, you're permitted in. And then we screen you basically when you come off the elevator and we ask, you know, if you've had a fever, if you've had any sick contacts, if you've traveled um, outside of the country, um, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I shouldn't say blah, 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 but like, that's the gist of it. If you've had a cough, yeah. uh, shortness of breath. And then if you're, you have a person with you, then we screen them as well. And they kind of have their own little screening tool. So if they um, have had any symptoms or they've been around a sick person or anything, or they've been even outside of the province in the last 14 days, they are not allowed. So oh, it's wow. intense. And I don't know what it's like. I, I think that's across the board, um, but we're really one of the only areas where you're going to have every single time, most likely someone supporting you because people are in labor and like, it's just, you need someone with you. Um, right. but it gets, it's pretty emotional because, you know, a lot of patients, their spouses work away or, um, what have you, or, you know, they have had symptoms or whatnot. And for them to not be able to be permitted even on the premises and their partner could be potentially giving birth is very scary for people and very upsetting. So, um, we've just been trying to get the messaging out as much as possible so that they don't show up there. Um, and it causes a big scene because. Yeah. So it puts a lot of, yeah, it's a lot on us too, because we would have to be their support person. And it's really sad. It makes me really upset actually, because my family is going to, my brother and his wife, they're having a baby in like a month. So we're just doing our part to try to, make sure he doesn't get sick and you know that everybody stays healthy and stuff but the fact that that could have impact my family too makes me even more um kind of yeah thinking about one, it I guess. yeah and i can only imagine the one thing that really hit home with me and like i'm sometimes my emotions are shut off because i don't know why but mm -hmm. i uh one thing that really kind of got me was um they were saying that like when people are almost on like their deathbed, like if it's an older person that maybe got the COVID or, or you know, maybe even not, but they're on their deathbed and they can't even have their family come and see them. So a lot of people are dying alone, yeah. not being able to have their family members see them. So it's the doctors and the nurses that are having to be that support person while they go. And it's just like, when I heard that, I was like, Oh my God, like that's, that's some heavy shit. That's yeah. like probably most people's like worst nightmares to die alone you know and Absolutely. here they are i know it it's uh quite confronting to think about that um and from what i've heard it's it's they're being quite strict about it and it's called compassionate reasons or something like that and you are allowed a visitor but they're basically would be waiting until pretty much the end um before you'd be permitted in wow. um, and that goes for you know same thing people losing babies too that's also something that happens and 
a lot of people lean on their family and they have their whole crew there coming to see them and people meet the baby and whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, it, it would impact our area as well. And uh, yeah, speaking to what you were talking about, like the elderly, a lot of the deaths have been more like in long-term care homes and whatnot. And so, uh, yeah, it's really upsetting to think about that for sure. Because so, most of us have grandparents or... Um, what uh, what are some like do you know what the majority of the symptoms are like i the only thing i've heard are like you you might lose sense of taste and smell like some of your senses might go away but that's all it really like shortness of breath do you know any others well they've evolved a little bit like initially they were just saying at the kind of as the beginning of this was high fever um so like above 38 uh but in a range somewhat. Um, so high fever, cough, shortness of breath were sort of the main three. But then as it evolved, it's kind of been like, there's could be other symptoms as well. Like, like what you mentioned, the loss of taste, um, even like sore throat, runny nose, like sore throat has kind of become one of them as well. Okay. Um, which like, interestingly enough, like I'm not, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but I kind of think I may have even had it already, like as weird as that sounds, because back in February, I was really, really sick. And actually you were too, I think. I was very <laughs> sick. I was thinking about that the other day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, I don't, I, I never took my temperature, but I was sleeping for like 18 hours a day. My throat was so sore for 11 days, like I remember counting because I finally went to the doctor at 11 days and got swabbed for like strep or something. But like we were, I had just come back from BC. So I had had travel. I was in an international airport um, and people were wearing masks at that time. So like it kind of, at the time, like someone joked about it that like, oh, you could have COVID. And I was like, shut up. Like, no, I don't. But it's honestly been on my mind. Like I may have had it because like I'm a healthy young person. I, you know, could have recovered fairly easily, even though it was pretty rough. Um, I just thought it was a bad cold, but who's, right. you know, I'll never know now, but uh, yeah. I definitely, that sore throat that I had was something else. Like well, that kind of brings me to my next, uh, I guess, question, but I like with the, you know, maybe more so in America, I don't, I don't really watch the news, but I, I see a few clips and, some of the, you know, like the fear mongering tactics that they use, like they really try to, you know, scare the shit out of people. And I, I get that it is a bit of a business and they're looking for clicks, but sometimes at least what I would think that that would do is like, if somebody gets one little idea of a symptom and all of a sudden they're going to the hospital and that's what would flood the hospitals. So like sometimes when people are put in these panic states because whatever the media yeah. It's like you cough once and now you're in the hospital when you probably should have just stayed home or if you have like a basic cold and, and you're showing up. But my other thought was that maybe they need to do that for people to actually take action. If yeah. they went at the media too soft, we might not actually listen and self-isolate or, or quarantine ourselves where if they're like death, 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 fear, yeah. then it forces them to be like, okay, we got, we got to hide out for a bit. So it's kind of a weird... Yeah, it's interesting, like watching different people and even knowing myself, kind of like the trajectory that we were on in terms of our like acceptance that this was actually a thing. Because uh, in the yeah. beginning, it was very, 
like, yeah, you're hearing about it in China and then you're slowly starting to hear about it in the other countries. And it was still just like not real, I don't think. Um, and I credit to my brother, like he was the one that was sending our family all the, the links and all the, all these like news things. And I, I actually kind of got mad at him after a while. I'm like, Hey, you got to stop. Like this is too much. You know? <laughs> and so we had to have a little family meeting about that, uh, sort of over our feet or for our WhatsApp group. But it definitely, we kind of, uh, changed our tune after a while. And I'm not one that really likes to buy into that, like fear mongering kind of like you're referring to, but, um, it definitely hit me eventually that I was like, okay, this is legit. Like I got to stop going to the gym. I got to, you know, do my part here and make sure I'm isolating. Like I was working every day, so it was pretty easy to isolate, but, um, the, uh, like they have done a good job, I think, with having like a phone line to call first. And that I think would help because this is like a hypochondriac's worst nightmare, like hands yeah. down, something like this that has all of these varied symptoms. Plus you can be asymptomatic apparently, and you can shed the virus still. Um, so when you think about that, and if you were a person that was more fearful and lived in that way, like it could be very detrimental to your mental health. Um, especially if you didn't have supports in your life to help you kind of navigate that. And uh, so, yeah, having the, the phone line to call, even though I don't know where it's at now, but my friend Brooke had to call it early on. And it was like, she waited online for hours. Like she was caller 84 or something like that. And um, so the volumes of calls they were getting was just insane. And, but that would then give you fairly clear instruction if they did want you to come get swabbed, where to go, when to come, um, all that kind of stuff. So I think that was done as well as it could have in, in the situation. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that makes sense. Cause I was wondering, I'm like, man, like the amount of people that are scared right now, like, you know, you cough once and you're going to be just lining up at the hospital. So the phone call, I guess would probably help, you know, help you guys not get swarmed so much and just kind of ask them the right questions and you know that's that's smart I never really thought about that because I was like man like when I watch the news like I'm a pretty like you know whatever call it stoic but like usually I can have control of my emotions I'll watch the news and I'll go into a rage and I'm like (laughs) and and it's funny I I watched uh (laughs) I probably shouldn't be getting my information from Chris D'Elia but I was I was listening to his podcast and uh he was like, yeah, what I heard was that if you, if you can't hold your breath for more than 10 seconds, you, you got, you got the COVID. So here, here I'm in my van holding my breath and I'm like, don't you fucking cough. I was like, please don't cough. <laughs> just holding my brows. is going to force my lips to shut. <laughs> testing the theories. Yeah. Um, so now it's like, you know, now that we've, and we'll maybe get into your, your travel travels a little bit after this, but, um, what do you think like after kind of being through this and I know we're not done we might just be kind of a I don't even know if we're at the halfway mark yet but what what is something in in your mind that you've you've learned from this whether it's personally or just as a nurse and what do you think is something that we could maybe do as as maybe people or just hospitals to kind of better be equipped for this if it comes again you know we, we just seem very ill prepared um you know for such a disaster like this so is there something that like you know, in your mind that you learned or that you could take away from this or be more prepared for for down the road? Oh, I feel like I have a lot of different answers to that question. Like, I think this is going to change planning on a, like a public health scale, like 
quite a lot. Um, I can't really speak to exactly how, but I think having had this happen, because what they're, they're saying, like this, this, it's going to have multiple waves to it, potentially, like as we start um, lessening the social like restrictions and stuff, it's only makes sense that, you know, we're not going to be done this. So even once we start seeing that downward slope, there's going to be multiple waves to come is what they're kind of predicting. Uh, so I think the government and the, you know, health authorities and stuff have learned their lessons in terms of just having like a base level of planning um, so that they could, you know, see the signs and kind of intervene sooner uh, down the road, which I think is a positive thing. Because, um, right. yeah, you can't really plan. You can plan, but it's so hard. Like I, I watched the, this pandemic show on Netflix uh, which was actually really weirdly timed as well, just kind of plays into my cons my conspiracy theory. Uh, but like how it, that was on Netflix, like early, early 2020. And I remember you, you sent it to me when I was really sick. You're like, you should watch this. And I was like, I don't want to when I'm <laughs> sick. I'll watch it later. <laughs> well, I did watch it. And it actually was, uh, you know, it was, it was talking about influenza and an influenza outbreak, but there's people that that's literally their job to plan for this kind of thing. And so it kind of went through different professionals in the series and it was very interesting. Um, so there already are people in place that do that kind of thing. But I think having this experience would just sort of amp it up to another level. And I was thinking about this today, like watching the public health uh, minister and stuff on her talk on CBC, the, the news was sharing it. And I was like, these people like, their job was important before, but now it's like crazy how one day they're sitting in the office, going to their meetings, doing the kind of typical stuff. And now it's like, they are the people that our whole country is looking to for leadership. It's like, holy smokes, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think even like the, I'm not going to use the correct terms, but one of their leaders in BC, Bonnie Henry, I actually don't even know what her title is, which, um, makes me feel dumb but um she was around during the SARS outbreak so she's now in BC and can kind of like help lead them and they've been basically really happy with her leadership because she's had experience and SARS was nothing compared to this but um I think just like I don't think we're going to build a bunch of new hospitals because of this because I think our economy is going to be fairly shot but we are going to have build more capacity to deal with it in the future. And I think that's important. Um, yeah. In terms of like my own personal, I don't know. I feel like I've been pretty level-headed throughout this. Like I haven't, maybe because I haven't seen the full effects of it based on where I work, but also we do have a huge potential to be, have a lot of impact from it. Um, so just learning to kind of, work through the emotions and have healthy coping mechanisms and like for me like being somewhat of an introvert like this is kind of like best case scenario for me to be have not any reason to leave the house for two weeks is awesome like I am I am uh for the most part loving it obviously I miss my family um yeah. but I think for myself it's uh it's really cool to just have that time to just focus on um kind of processing all this information and um just having 
yeah, having, it's cool to like have people out there. So we're all kind of have this little interconnected network and you're still supporting your friends and family, but from a distance. And I think there's a lot of benefit to that as well. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a roller coaster. Like I just, one day I'm good. The next day I'm kind of thinking in more of a negative space and like to try to gear myself towards the positive is I think a skill that I think a lot of people are trying to cultivate right now because we just, um, everyone's feeling a little lost and, and, and I'm one of those people too. We're all kind of, uh, just doing our best, put it that way. Yeah, it's it's tough to find light during like these dark times and it just seems like everyone has their own ways of of coping or trying to, you know, just blind themselves of all the dark and just try to find find that lighter, you know, side of life right now. But do you feel it's important to like, you know, feel the emotions and not just completely like shut off? Like when you do have those difficult days, do you try to like really, like you said, process it and think about it, but then kind of move on and, and get more of a stoic attitude? But do you feel it first? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, that's kind of just the way I live my life. Like I'm not someone that easily shuts down my emotional side. So, um, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or, um, upset, generally I'm going to reach out or I'm triggered by something somebody says, and that kind of initiates some kind of an interaction where we're kind of working through it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that I, I've definitely tried to maintain my relationships as much as I can during this, just because we're all sort of coping our own way. And one day I might be doing good, but my friend might not be. So I'm going to reach out to her or him and um, just kind of be, be there, you know, Uh, and just without judgment, like everybody is so quick to judge, like how people are dealing in this time. And, like, I'm not going to lie, like, I'm definitely more of kind of your mindset and the like stoic kind of like tough it out, like, yeah, I'm going to use this time to like better myself and exercise and, you know, meditate and all that kind of stuff. Dance. But also like, pardon? Dance. 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 <laughs> you know, no word of a lie. I've been doing dance parties in my living room for the last like four nights or so. And uh, my calves are super sore. <laughs> like I woke up this morning. Oh, geez. Like, but it feels so good. Like, and like, I would not normally do that outside of this, but it's kind of funny just like where our minds go. And like, I built a snowman the other day, like what the hell, you know? Um, but yeah, you just kind of let yourself go and be free. And I'm, I am definitely feeling a little more liberated in that way. Um, yeah in that less judgmental of how other people are coping like yeah if you want to sit and watch netflix all day i'm not going to advise that that's the best thing to do just because i've been on the other side of that and i know that personally i feel better when i'm being a little more productive than that but i also know that like people are dealing with kids at home and lack of um finances and insecurity with their jobs and now the kids are having to do school online and like that is just, you know, stressing people out to the nines. Like I feel quite bad for those families actually. Um, yeah. Cause that's, that's a lot. Like, <laughs> yo, I, I know. And that's, those are the people I, like, I actually know someone, she, um, you know, she's a, a widow and she runs a business and she's got kids 
And there's, you know, millions of those cases where it's just like, holy shit, those are the people I feel for the most. Like I'm, I'm a single male with like a dog that is pretty easy to take care of with minimal expenses. So like when this happened, I, you know, I, I'm sure I, I've said a few things I maybe shouldn't have just how easy it was for me to kind of cope with it. But yeah. I didn't really have that empathy at the time to understand that it's like, holy shit, other people like this is rocking their world right now, like for the, yeah. you know, in a bad way. Yeah. So I, I had to dial back of how us, oh, everything's good over here. Cause I know some people are really affected and hurt by it. So. Yeah. And it's also kind of like, yeah. And I, you go th again through your cycles of feeling sorry for yourself in a way too. Right. And like, I've done that myself and I, you have to remember that everybody, and you kind of talked about this in, I think your last podcast, how, um, that book you read and just like the different lens that everyone's viewing their life through. Right. And right. have all have these experiences that, and I try to keep that in the forefront of my mind all the time, but I, I falter a lot, but, um, yeah. that to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we all, everyone, you know, are triggered in different ways and we can't, we have to be compassionate with each other and understanding. And also not that like, just because I'm a nurse, working on the front lines like I feel like it's a little bit of a farce because like I'm literally put myself on isolation for two weeks like I'm not working on the front lines right now I'm going to be completely honest and I'm also not a COVID expert so um we well, all are you I, I'd start a GoFundMe page and just I'm working on the front lines and I need some money so <laughs> it's funny some some van lifers do that when their van breaks down they're like well GoFundMe page and people just send them money so well, I'm sure you can make a fortune. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was you know, last night I, I hopped on a on an Instagram live that some of my friends were doing talking about music and I piped up and they're like, Oh, Jess is here and like, oh say hi to her. She's she's one of the people working right now and I'm just like, eh. <laughs> like pajamas and slippers, just drinking wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Front line here, guys felt a little bad about it but I, I didn't want to you know monopolize their conversation with my, my yeah. stories but I you know everybody I I feel like I'm very fortunate in the position that I'm in um my brothers and sisters that are really truly on the front lines like the eMERGE nurses the paramedics the ICU staff like those people they are going to have it the hardest I think and they it's gonna be tough if it really if the numbers really ramp, like ramp up so um yeah. i'm very grateful and also very thankful for other people to kind of take over because it is it's a system that runs on everybody's health so right i have to take a break no. i literally been working for six weeks so Ooh. it's time <laughs> yeah well the, the one cool thing too like with this whole you know disaster is that like how much people actually like care and like will reach out to you and ask how you're doing. And, and I heard that on a, on a Ed Milet podcast, he was talking to the people that were really suffering and having a tough time through this. Cause he's, you know, he's a multimillionaire and obviously like yeah. a lot of those people are, are doing well and fine. Yeah. But for the people that were suffering, he said like, if you're, if you're really like feeling an impact from this and you, you don't have income and you got kids and you're really, you know, having a tough time, try reaching out to someone you can always be an ear for somebody and you can always just hear their story and you'd be surprised that if you can't make yourself happy try making someone else happy so give give that long lost friend a phone call and hear what they're going through and 
So it was just kind of like a cool little thing. And I've, I've been experiencing, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of beautiful messages. So it's cool that like through disaster, it really shows human character where we really do care about each other. And we are like social beings. So that was one big positive that I've been experiencing anyway over the, the last yeah, few weeks. Yeah, I was, was going to bring something like that up actually, that that is a really good coping mechanism, I think, to, and not to like minimize your own stress and your own like problem and strife that you're having within yourself but it does help sort of put it into perspective especially when you're um um looking at you know people that are less fortunate than you or that are just struggling a little more um yeah in terms of like like I had a patient call the hospital last week and uh she was somebody that was homeless and she's pregnant and she needed a place to go because the particular place she was staying, which is a facility in the city was quote unquote, kicking her out for a time. Um, and it had to do with COVID had something to do with COVID. She was very distressed on the phone. Um, and like that mm -hmm. phone call, like I was on the phone with her for quite a while and like trying to get advice from my coworkers. Like, what do we tell this, this person? And Oh, my heart just went out to her. Like, I just can't imagine like to be homeless, pregnant, alone. And I said, do you have anybody that you can call? And she said, no, like, and that just broke my heart. Like, so when I think about my situation, like I can't even feel sorry for myself in the least when you think of something like that. Um, so yeah. it's just like perspective and yeah, doing what you can to, to help others. And, you know, I tried to be supportive to her on the phone, but I also felt a little powerless um, that I wish I could have done more uh, to give her advice or help. But um there's definitely people in the city that are that are really suffering so yeah yeah it's 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 crazy like i another thing i was thinking about was like you know when when real like problems arise like this one it, it's funny how like our our small little first world problems go out the window like it seems like before this everyone is getting offended by the littlest things and you know, they want it to be called this and labeled this and this offends me and this and this, and all of a sudden this happened. And it's like, you don't hear a peep from that. It's like, we have like a real, we have a real problem now. <laughs> Whereas before it was almost so good that we just started creating problems. We're like, ah, I'm pissed off about this. I'm going to write a blog and you know, get, get some shit going. <laughs> you know, And then old COVID-19 comes through and we're like, holy yeah. shit, this is it's a like real problem great equalizer like it really is it's uh <laughs> honestly and I've even noticed that with some of the social media that I follow like I follow a lot of awesome people on social media and their posts and some of the things I'm like this just doesn't even this is meaningless to me now like it's not important enough for me to even put my like to even read because right like in the forefront is just like holy shit this is a pandemic you know so a lot of things just seem less less important and uh i think that's a natural i guess reaction to it but um kind of feel a little callous but i think everyone also is you know there are certain people out there who are not really paying attention to um to a lot of the media so they're in their own little bubble and i think some of those people would just be kind of carrying on like business as usual kind of thing um, right and not really realizing that the rest of the world is literally like on its knees kind of so they're just blogging about the kardashians and shit and everyone's <laughs> like, you realize the world's ending you fucking <laughs> oh, 
Oh, um, I, yeah. Well, or even just like, this is, maybe this is rude of me to say, but like stuff like um, people in their eyelash extensions, like they can't get their eyelashes done and they can't <laughs> get their like Botox and stuff. It's like, yeah, that's really minor, you know? Um, sorry. You, and like it does, but it does have an impact on the small businesses. So those people that are normally doing those things are not getting their clients, which I feel for those people, don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, it's like that kind of more superficial side to society has kind of like, yeah, sorry. Everyone's hair's growing out. No one's getting their, you know, roots touched up. No one's getting waxed. No one, you know, like who gives a shit? Right. <laughs> We're just yeah. trying to survive here. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you feel for the owner and like their financial situation, but you don't give a shit about their eyelashes. Like the, <laughs> the client's eyelashes, like let that shit grow out. Let's go back to our primal state. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how, how are you doing on your, can you see on your screen as far as the recording goes, is it going to end in an hour or does it just go all the way it through? Just says it's still recording. Um, let's see here. We're at 50 minutes on my phone. Okay. But well, we'll, we'll wrap it. that'll keep going too. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up pretty quick. I want to jump, uh, kind of switch over to your your travel experiences just a little bit and then we can uh maybe um end the podcast here but uh so you've been all over the world i know you you talked to me a little bit about like africa and stuff like what is you know just to maybe give perspective like like you said like our hospitals and our situation is pretty good right now but in your past experience like where are some places that you really were like holy shit you guys are behind in technology or just whatever you know like was it africa was that kind of the the, the toughest definitely. one that you've been to or yeah definitely africa for sure um was that's the only place i've nursed internationally but i've been in a couple different countries um three different countries nursing um and yeah i definitely i'm thinking on those experiences a fair bit these days um, just in regards to all the PPE and like the lack thereof that we are complaining about. Um, I had many experiences over there where we didn't have any, like you had to bring your own from Canada in your suitcase. And even like there was one day when I was a nursing student when we were in Mozambique and my friend and I were in a clinic or we were in the hospital. I forget what we were doing. I think it was the emergency room. And we noticed up on the uh, blinds that there was a bunch of gloves hanging up there. And so we asked about it. And yeah, they were cleaning, they're literally cleaning their gloves and hanging them to dry. Uh, and I've thought about that experience for the last decade, like even in my regular work. But right now it's like, holy smokes, like considering how short everyone is potentially going to be on PPE like I think of places like that and like they would have nothing right now and so you guys would normally like so you would like use your gloves and then you just throw them out like that's and then and they're just they're just cleaning it and then hang drying it yes literally holy yeah. shit yeah hanging them to dry in the sun and uh and then other places that I was they just didn't have anything like I would never dream of using their supplies that they had because the patients like coming to, when I was in Tanzania, I worked in a hospital in Zanzibar 
Um, and they, the patients there were expected when they came in to have their baby, they had to have a pair of gloves and they had to have, I think they at least had one, maybe two pairs of gloves and like had to purchase the life-saving medications like oxytocin and, um, Cytotec, which I'm not going to get into those, but they're just like the basic meat and potatoes of obstetrical medicine. Like you need to have those if you're, if you're bleeding. Um, but they had to buy them outside the hospital at the pharmacy when they came in to have their baby. And if they didn't have those, like if you didn't have gloves, like I know you would probably be, the nurses would be mad because they'd have to use their own supply. And so, uh, yeah, it's just crazy to me to think about that because if we have asked patients to bring their own gloves to the hospital, like that would just be the most obscene request ever. And there, that was just the way of life. And so, well, yeah. And that's why I think that you're probably, you know, because you, you kind of like, you, you run a bit of a crew, hey? Like, are you like a little bit of like a, a leader of like a group of nurses or what, what is your... Um, I, I'm a level six. So yeah, I do take on the charge nurse role sometimes, but it's not every shift. So uh, yeah, it's some, a role that I will, will do. Because yeah, I mean, like, like leadership traits, even if you're not like a leader, I mean, each individual in that hospital or at the grocery store, you're kind of your own leader. So to have like a level head and, and to yeah. go through those experiences being in Africa probably helps you a little bit being like, this ain't so bad. Like we got this guys, <laughs> you know, totally. we're, we're not yeah. hanging in our gloves yet. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's funny because I, over the years, definitely brought up, you got to bring up those stories, you know, kind of carefully, like you're not wanting to shame people and be like, right. this is what it was like in Africa, you know, but it's also like a bit of perspective sometimes when people yeah. are, you know, complaining about the facility. And like, before we moved, we, you know, the, the 55 building was pretty rough, like, I'm not gonna lie. But we still had running water, we still had all the supplies we needed. And yeah, I, in Mozambique, they literally had a rain barrel that they got water from. And, you know, like, it was just another, it was a completely another level of, um, like, scarcity of the resources. So I've definitely learned to appreciate what we have. And, you know, you definitely, the longer you're away from that, the more you forget, but it's still always in the back of my mind that I'm so happy I had that experience. And I try to share it with people if they're, if I think they're going to be open to it. Um, and yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, uh, let's, uh, we're at an hour now, so let's wrap this up. But I just wanted to, to thank you for, uh, <laughs> I know you're not on the front lines right now, but you're sure doing a whole lot. So it's, it's, uh, it's nice that I get to sit in the comfort of my own van and just kind of, you know, see you guys go to work and, and do your thing. And even at the grocery store, I complimented the girl working there. I was like, thanks for being here, like allowing me to get food still. Absolutely. You know, so it's funny how, like I said at the beginning, like these, you know, these basic in air quotes, these jobs that we don't really ever value until the world cr comes crashing down. And, and now we see those people on this pedestal and we're like, holy shit, you guys are saviors. So um, thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks Absolutely. for being a nurse. Thanks for having so, me. No worries. Um, so do you want to yeah, exit out of this? Send me, send me the stuff and then shoot me a text. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Jess. Okay. You bet. <laughs>